Okay, so who do you want the three permanent opponents for Alabama to be in the new upcoming football scheduling thingamajig? You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, Sports Illustrated's Ross Dellinger has said that he believes that Alabama's three permanent opponents for the new SEC scheduling format will be Tennessee, Auburn, and LSU. Do you like this? Do you think it's fair? Or do you even think he's right? Uh, He's probably right. I mean, Ross Dellinger is as locked in uh, to the SEC as any reporter out there. you know, so, you know, most of the time when Ross Dellinger has breaking news or even an opinion, you know, I'm certainly interested. Uh, I don't discount it for, for at all. Um, I don't think it's fair uh, just simply because I believe that it is possible to basically divide the SEC into two thirds of what I would call the haves and one third of what I would call the have nots. And I know 16 doesn't easily divide by three and, and it's going to be rough possibly for someone and it's okay if that someone is Alabama I mean you know in in the sense that if it's random I I just don't believe this is random Uh, I believe that based on Dellinger's reporting it appears that Alabama is the only team in the SEC that would be required to play all three halves and they don't get a have not Uh, and if I looked around the whole league and saw, hey, math-wise, someone's just getting hosed. There's no way someone is playing three halves. <clears throat> then I would be less upset about it. But actually, that's not the case at all, Luke. Uh, per Dellinger's best guess or his best information, Tennessee's only playing one half and two half-nots, as, as I would divide the league. Tennessee's playing Vanderbilt and Kentucky. And Alabama gets no game like that. Alabama gets Tennessee, LSU, and Auburn, three traditional halves um so it's not equitable it's not fair uh i think here's the thing that gets to me really i think the the subset of alabama fans that aren't aren't getting that are the ones that are saying we've been playing auburn tennessee lsu what's everybody upset about we've been doing that that was the old format there's a new scheduling format under the old format there's West teams and there's East teams. Everybody in the West plays everybody in the West. Everybody in the East plays everybody in the East. You play one permanent opponent in the other division for Alabama. That was Tennessee. That was fine. It was fair. Why was it fair? Everyone in the West played one team in the East, and it was equitably divided up. Yes, all Ole Miss was assigned Vanderbilt, and you may say, see, that, oh, that must be what you're talking about. That's unfair. Well, it is unfair, except when you consider Ole Miss doesn't ever win the West. Alabama's not competing with Ole Miss to win the West. Alabama, in fact, was really only competing with LSU and Auburn when they set this up uh, to win the West. And LSU plays Florida every year. Auburn plays Georgia every year. So it was fair in the old format. Now we have a new format. And in the new format, Alabama is playing a harsher schedule than everyone else. Why? Why? apparently in the name of saving 
Alabama and LSU for ESPN's TV inventory. I get that Alabama LSU gets a lot of ratings and we get higher ratings in Alabama, Mississippi State, but that doesn't mean this is fair to Alabama in any way. And, you know, Georgia gets high ratings. You know, they're getting Florida, who's tough, you know, every year. Uh, and, and they're getting Auburn, who's a have for sure. But they also get South Carolina, who is a traditional have not. I realize it's not the easiest game in the world, but compared to the rest of the SEC, they would be a have not. I know I would trade Tennessee for South Carolina, you know, so uh, it, it's not fair uh, the way that, that that Nick Saban understands it. And that's why Nick Saban himself, hey, disagree with me all, all you want, folks, because I just appreciate that anybody listens to my opinion. Every, every all 100% of you can disagree with me, but understand that Nick Saban feels the exact same way I do, or I should say, I feel the same way Nick does. Here's um, something interesting too. Uh, a friend of ours on a text chain brought this up. Frankly, if Nick Saban hadn't uh, been at LSU and then ultimately at Alabama, creating a rivalry, this wouldn't even be an issue. Nick Saban's the reason that LSU could be the permanent rival because that's the only reason it's kind of sexy. Um, Alabama traditionally has dominated this rivalry, even with Nick Saban has dominated this rivalry. Um, it has more cachet because Nick Saban is there. But I would venture to say that if Nick Saban weren't in Alabama or never were at Alabama and this were still going down um, – it probably would not be LSU. I mean, I think Auburn, Tennessee certainly would still be there, but not LSU. Our younger fans probably don't know this, but we only started playing LSU every single season when the league split into divisions in 1992. That's right. It was just the SEC, and there wasn't an East and a West. Alabama didn't play LSU every single year. In fact, Alabama has a longer history of playing Mississippi State, of playing Vanderbilt. Alabama, I believe, has played Vanderbilt more often than they played LSU. Now, we've played LSU every single year now for 30 years. Uh, because of the, the 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 divisions that were created in 1992, maybe that's caught us up with Vanderbilt. I don't know, but Alabama LSU wasn't a long time. Hey, they play every year, going back to the 30s type of thing. Uh, actually, not. Now they play most years. They played a lot of years, and I'm not saying I don't want to play LSU. I think what LSU doesn't get, I'm, I'm, they're 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 only going to think of themselves. I understand that totally. So I'm only thinking of Alabama. But when LSU says. What's the problem? We don't mind. We, you know, Alabama's big and bad. We don't mind playing them every year. Why do they mind playing us? Because you get Ole Miss. Because you get Ole Miss. How about this? We'll play you. We'll play you every year. That's fine. And we won't play Tennessee. We'll play Ole Miss instead. We'll take that. It's not playing LSU every year. It's playing LSU and Tennessee and Auburn and not getting an Ole Miss, not getting a South Carolina, not getting a Kentucky or a Vandy. That, that's what it, what it is. It's that. It's not, oh, we don't play LSU every year. Why well, wouldn't matter to Alabama if we play Georgia every year or Oklahoma or Texas every year. Just don't give us three of them if everyone else is only getting two. And here's my thing. I am 100% with you. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here for a second. Sure. Auburn and Tennessee hadn't been all that daggum good recently. Right. Now, Tennessee was good last year, um, but frankly – Alabama still should have won that game there in one of the most raucous environments in ages. Um, we've dominated Tennessee. Uh, Auburn has certainly been closer, but, I mean, we've done a pretty doggone good job against Auburn too. And, frankly, we know how tough Auburn is for us. 
but Auburn has a bunch of bad losses here in the last five, ten years. I mean, since right. since 2014, I think Auburn has lost at least four games every single year. Right. Um, so, I mean, you could make the argument if you were an LSU fan and wanted to retort that, hey, I'm not so sure playing Ole Miss is easier than Tennessee or Auburn necessarily. Right. But we know historically that's that will change, even if short-term that, that argument is correct. And you could make the argument that all this is cyclical, but let me tell you what's not cyclical. South Carolina and Vanderbilt being stinky bodinky. They stay stinky. Now, South Carolina may upset a Clemson two years in a row or whatever they've done. Congratulations. I want South Carolina to be good. I hope they're good. The fact of the matter is they've played in one SEC title game. You yeah, know. The last time, Luke, the last time we did scheduling format, a permanent scheduling format, what I talked about when we had an East and West, and everybody played one permanent opponent in the other division, the day we set that up, Probably the most competitive, best national game in the in the SEC at that time was Tennessee versus Florida. I mean, arguably Alabama was in the mix during that brief period of time in 1992. But actually, the scheduling was set up in 1991 when they decided to okay, we're going to divisions and this is how we're going to do it. That was kind of before Gene Stallings' success. But the point is, uh, Tennessee Florida was probably the uh, premier elite game at that time. And I'm saying that as a way to demonstrate it's cyclical. Just like Luke said, these things change right now. Alabama's the best in the West and Georgia's the best in the East year after year after year. Although notice Alabama didn't win the West last year. Um, notice back in 1991, 92, when they went to this thing that Georgia wasn't then what they are now. Uh, it's all to some extent cyclical. That's why when you do the have and have not list, you got to go back years. You got to go back not five years, not 10 years, maybe longer than 25 years. I mean, who are the true? And, and I sort of do it by money, prestige, fan base size, just the general size of football, size of the program. So Tennessee sort of a monster with their 100,000. They had a 100,000 seat stadium. I think at, at one time, Luke, only Michigan and Tennessee had 100,000 seat stadiums. For, for, for sports in the world, and it was Michigan and Tennessee. So Tennessee's a monster program. Yeah, they were down a long time. But they're usually a have, and they're dang sure a have right now. Jimmy, let me tell everybody about FanDuel. Uh, new customers get that no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe. It's secure. It's fun. It's the best sports book app in the country in the world then you have you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes made to rebounds to fouls to whatever you want to bet on you can bet on it at fanduel.com fanduel lets you combine bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay um, don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Didn't hear me? Fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA and the NFL. Also, check out Locked On College Basketball. I mean, what a time to be alive, Jimmy. What a time to be alive. Go check out Locked On College Basketball. They'll fill you in on all the college basketball stuff coming up and talk a lot about bracketology, which everybody is a bracketologist these days. 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Jimmy, I want to talk um, about a couple of guys that own three uh, has recently predicted to the University of Alabama. Um, this is this was very cool to me. Uh, what do you call it? Recruiting predicting machines? Of course, you wrote on three. I think it's recruiting predicting machine. It reminds me of the George Michael sports machine, which was one of the best and yet dumbest ideas ever in the history of television. Um, Dylan Stewart. The, the acronym huh? is cool. RPM is cool. The acronym RPM is cool. Recruiting yeah. prediction machine. I agree. It was, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure that was a tough decision to land on that. Uh, and then they did. But here's the thing, uh, maybe a great term, uh, the, the big man in charge, I mean, you know, he, he had come up with another term that's uh, really good, but it's used by one of the other networks, so we can't use that one. So it had the to be RPM. new. RPM is new, and, and really it's it's a cool algorithm, it's a cool idea, it's set up differently than the way 24-7 does theirs. Uh, and uh, really, when you say on three predicted what this is uh, today was was actually from the Alabama site, uh, from Bama Insider. Uh, Andrew Bone and Joseph Hastings uh, made these uh, big predictions in terms of, and that's what it is. It's a prediction from the people who cover recruiting uh, in terms of how a, a kid's recruitment will play out. So the own three uh, number one player in the country uh, in the consensus, he's around number 23 or something, still a five-star, but for own three is number one player in the country. And that's Dylan Stewart from friendship collegiate Academy in Washington, DC, a six foot five, 235 pound edge player. They have predicted him to go to the university of Alabama, which would be amazing. He's already visited and had a great time, but they do put the caveat in there that like, look, this is, this is our like early prediction, not exactly saying a, a commitment is imminent, but I do like that. They also uh, predict DeMarcus Riddick from Chilton County to flip from Georgia to Alabama, another fantastic player. Um, I'm going to look up really quickly where on three has him. Uh, they've got him the number 37 player nationally, uh, the number one uh, linebacker in the country. So uh, that would be rather huge. And uh, I did a lot. Also, while I'm looking at this, you don't even have to talk about him. While I'm looking at your list, uh, on three has Cam Coleman, the number two player in the state of Alabama. I got to watch Cam Coleman for Central Phoenix City uh, play in the semifinals. Um, and Cam Coleman's an athlete. I yes. mean, he's a really good athlete. No need to go into him right now. He's a wide receiver out of Central Phoenix City. I would love to have him. But talk about DeMarcus Riddick and Dylan Stewart instead. Yeah, Dylan Stewart, for those, uh, and there's going to be a lot of listeners unfamiliar with these names because they're new, but Dylan Stewart, I, I, I guess I could describe this. He's literally the cycle's Keon Keeley. It's the best way to describe him. I'm not saying he's exactly like Keon, but extremely similar, same position, same ranking, basically. 
and you know landing Dylan Stewart uh, one cycle after landing Keon Keeley would be unbelievable. On three believes Dylan Stewart as of now is the best pass rusher in the United States in his class. Uh, landing him, you'd have to beat everybody. There's no college football program that's not recruiting Dylan Stewart, uh, so it would be huge. Uh, just note that this is a prediction. It is not based on any sort of brand new news uh, that that came to uh, Bama Insider. It's just like, hey, y'all make a prediction, and 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 Hastings and Boner on board with, hey, as of today, as of today, we're predicting this. As of today, we think this could happen. So you know, don't write in ink, don't chisel it into a rock, but it's certainly encouraging that. Folks that talk to Dylan Stewart uh, and have sources and know recruiting at Alabama extremely well are comfortable enough to predict, as of today, Dylan Stewart go to Alabama. DeMarcus Riddick, same thing, committed to Georgia, but an in-state player at the time he committed to Georgia, he did not have an Alabama offer, similar to Rock uh, McElderry, or Rock, Rock West McElderry a year ago, now known as Rock Montgomery. Uh, that guy, he, he committed to Georgia, too, before he had an Alabama offer. Alabama was able to flip him. Trying to do the same deal with Demarcus Reddick, uh, who's a who's a more highly regarded, highly recruited player than uh, than Rock Montgomery was. Now uh, Alabama's going to have to do some work. I, I don't think a, a flip is imminent, but I, I do think, it, as I put it the other day, I mean, he visited Alabama this weekend, even though he's committed to Georgia. Uh, like I said on the site, that doesn't mean he's flipping to Alabama. It just means that he might. And, and before he visited Alabama. You could say, well, he's committed to Georgia and he's never visited Alabama. And, and, and for that, you would be you would be pretty pessimistic about your chances. But now that he's been to camp, now that he voluntarily came to campus on his own dime to look around and then had nothing but great things to say about Alabama. And I say, well, he might flip. And uh, and today it's Joseph Hastings and Andrew Bone of Bama Insider telling you they're predicting that at some point he will flip to Alabama. And boy, when you add Luke, Dylan Stewart and Demarcus Riddick, to what they've already got in Julian Sayan and Jalen and Bachway and Perry Thompson and Sterling Dixon. Wow. Just wow. I mean, it's another day to say, thank goodness our head football coach is Nick Saban. Cause this it's it, the, the recruiting success is just nuts. And now, uh, now all you got to do is just win all the football games. That's all, that's all that's left to do. Yeah. I mean, what are you doing? Nick Saban. Win some games, dude. Um, all right, let's take a break, Jimmy. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more SEC basketball. You know, I was happy to see uh, one of the comments on our latest podcast uh, Some because I, I, we lead with football now. I mean, football is what most people want to discuss, despite the fact that Alabama just won the SEC, despite the fact that uh, Brandon, all the Brandon Miller stuff, whatever, despite the fact Nate Oates is kicking butt on the recruiting trail, too, and all this other stuff. Um, people apparently react more to football talk. But I was happy to see somebody in our recent comments say, hey, I'm not even worried about quarterbacking for next year. Why don't you talk basketball? Okay, we'll talk a little basketball right now. First of all, um, Brandon Miller will be an All-American, He a consensus All-American. Um, he was named All-American by Sporting News. That's one of the places you have to be considered uh, a first-team All-American. I think he's Alabama's first ever first-team All-American consensus. Um, he's also named SEC Player of the Year, uh, SEC Newcomer of the Year. Um, Nate Oates did not get Coach of the Year. 
I can buy that because I mean Missouri's coach did well, Stackhouse did well. Um, shoot, I, if they had given it to Buzz Williams, I could probably buy it. I mean, you know, fine, you don't give it to, to Nate. I probably would have. I mean, he he does have a team that went to the number one team in the country and um, was not picked to finish number one in the conference. Um, but in, there are still some people who didn't vote Brandon Miller uh, number one. I was listening to the field of 68 today coming into work, and Tyler Hansborough, the former uh, famously bloody-nosed player for North Carolina, they were talking about who should be an All-American. They listed their All-American list, said, would you take anybody out? And most everybody was like, no. And he's like, well, I'd probably take out Brandon Miller and put in this guy. And I'm thinking, I mean, you must only be taking him out for something that you think he was literally involved in, like literally had a hand in. It has nothing to do with on-the-court stuff. On the court, Brandon Miller is clearly one of the top five players in the country and clearly deserves to be an All-American. Um, Kevin Skarbinski, by the way, went on a show with Doug Amos, and I'm going to be on Doug Amos' show here very shortly, and uh, said, hey, he's even heard more information that would exonerate Brandon Miller even more, but he, he can't go into it, which, <laughs> I mean, thanks for the tease, bro. Um, I know what he's talking about. Oh, well. I'll say I know what he's talking about. Thank you for the tease, bro. Um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't say it. I mean, I mean, I'm not trying to be mean. I wasn't going to say anything at all. But what I'm saying is I don't think Scar I don't think Skarbinski's making that up. I don't either. And I um so in the end though, a lot of accolades for this team. And I'm hoping that these six days off and the fact that all these other tournaments are going on um sort of maybe takes the edge off of, of the whole situation. The only thing that does worry me is the further we go in the tournament, the more this is going to come right back into the light, right? Uh, it's going to be discussed, and what's going to be discussed are the facts that are known. And, and, and what I hate is, uh, I mean, I've talked about this a million times, but it just needs to be said again. It's so important. If you say Brandon Miller transported a gun to the murder scene, that is a true statement. It, it's true. Uh, it's sensational. It's a headline maker. And it's true, but it just lacks context. <laughs> it lacks many other critical, important facts that you must know before you pass judgment on Brandon Miller. But people, it's a headline society. They don't want to, they don't want to get into the weeds. They don't want to know all the facts. They want to read the headline and then assume the worst and like I've said all along, I'm real curious as to how the whole prosecution ends up going. I think there's way too many assumptions about even the underlying case against Darius Miles and his cousin. Uh, we need more facts before we pass total and complete judgment on those two guys. To say nothing of people on the periphery, uh, I believe Brandon's on the periphery, and look, all the people that are just steaming mad why isn't brandon miller charged with a crime not even a misdemeanor he's charged with nothing why is he charged with nothing because the district attorney's office has already told everyone we don't have facts that line up with the violation of any law therefore he's not charged if we had different facts he would be but the facts we have don't line up with with something he can be charged with so you guys are upset over 
you know, and, and, and here's the thing. I mean, a lot of the people are, are upset or extremely pro second amendment people. I mean, in Alabama, they passed a law on January 1st. that basically said, I, I don't even know what the law is. I just basically know it's the wild, wild west. You, you're, you're, you're free and legal to have a gun almost anywhere. And it wasn't even Brandon's gun, you know, uh, that's why it's like, how can you be super, hey, it's cool if everybody's armed. And then also, do you, 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 can you believe what Brandon Miller did? I mean, there's 2.5 guns for every one American. I imagine a lot of people are transporting guns to scenes all over the place, not intentionally participating in a crime. Yeah. And, um, you know, you hate that. I just hate that this thing's uh, anyway. I mean, there's no, there's nothing to say. It, it really goes back to what's that old legal thing uh, when you ask somebody, "Have you stopped beating your wife?" Yeah, and they say, "Well, no," but and you don't let them feel. Oh, oh, so oh, you bad. haven't stopped beating. You haven't stopped beating. Well, wife. Yes. <laughs> oh, so you were beating her. You know. So, right. Um. Anyway, that's going to do it for today. It, it, it almost, it almost feels, it almost feels like that. But I, I do wish. We'll, we'll see how many people, let, let's just go down the road and we'll see how many of these harsh critics. I'm not just talking about Clay Travis. I'm not just talking about him. And I, he's never, he wouldn't backtrack on anything. If it, if it was, it was found that the evidence that the sky's blue and it would finally proven it to him that the sky's blue, he's not going to go, Hey, you know what? I'm convinced the sky's blue. I, he, he, I don't, I'm just talking about the fact that Brandon Miller's not nominated for some awards that he should be, or maybe he's not making Tyler Hansborough's All-American list because of what happened. I, I, I'm anxious to see, once all the facts are, are really known, uh, if there's any backtracking. Or maybe there won't be. Maybe maybe I should be the opposite. Maybe there will be facts that further implicate Brandon. And I'm, I'm my mind is open. All right, that's going to do it for today's podcast. We will be back tomorrow with more. Until then, roll tight, everybody. Roll tight. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.